Welcome to Wellness Talk. I am George Batista, your host and your wellness advocate as always. Wellness Talk is the show that goes over the latest in health and healing, nutrition, supplements. We take the mystery out of supplements, we take the mystery out of health, and we give you tools, tips, and tricks you can use to live a healthier life. Glad you guys could be with me today and hope you guys had a great week. GeorgeBatista.com, as always, has all the articles that we go over and we post them pretty much each week. And make sure you follow it as much as you can because there's really a lot of cool stuff coming and a lot of great articles that we're putting on there all the time. And um, there's going to be a lot more hard-hitting stuff that's going to be going on there as well. So make sure you follow that. Also, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to wherever you're listening to the podcast, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Podcasts or whatever it is you're listening to. But make sure that you uh, subscribe to us so you won't miss out on all the information that we go over because uh, it's very important. And uh, also, Wellness Resource, I'm sorry, Wellness Talk is brought to you by Wellness Resources, uh, which is a 35-year-old supplement company that is on the forefront of uh, clinical nutrition. So make sure you check them out at myvitaminresource.com. It's the supplements that I recommend on this show. You guys know that already, those of you who follow us. And uh, by the way, if you enter the promo code counterparts, you will get free shipping on all orders. So make sure you take advantage of that. And by the way, they have some great sales this month on a lot of the brain supplements uh, and brain health supplements. So make sure you check those out as well. All right. So uh, let's uh, go over what we're going to uh, talk about this week. So last week we talked a little bit about um, toxicity. We talked about glyphosate and how to detox and different uh, news and new news on glyphosate and stuff like that. So we're going to be kind of piggybacking a little bit on that. But this time we're going to be talking about a different uh, a, a different compound. This one is on fluoride. So we're going to talk about, and again, this is from Wellness Resources, fluoride affects brain health in children, fertility, and thyroid function. So uh, very important stuff. This is new research on fluoride. So make sure you uh, check this out because I think this is going to be very important for you because, uh, you know, obviously in the last few years, you've heard a lot about fluoride. There's a lot of campaigns against fluoride and, you know, they're still discovering new things that fluoride can be damaging too, as far as health goes. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Then also we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about how fluoride affects uh, teenagers with kidney function problems, okay, or kidney disease. So again, this is brand new research. This is from fluoridealert.org, and it's reduced kidney function leads to fluoride accumulation in the blood. And they studied teenagers in this, but this can apply to anyone that has a kidney issue. So we'll talk about that. Then uh, talking about brain health, uh, this is from uh, Christine Ruggeri from Natural News. It's, it's a study on benefits of cranberries for brain health. So again, brand new information, uh, more information. We've talked about cranberries before on this show and all the beneficial things that, it, that they do. But again, this is a recent study on this and how uh, cranberries are still being studied and still benefiting people uh, cognitively. So we'll talk, we'll go over that. Then our nutrient spotlight for the week, 
We're going to talk about wellness resources, iodine. It's it's actually called Iosol iodine. It's a different iodine than what a lot of people, what a, a lot of supplement companies use. And we're going to talk about why you should be using this type of iodine, why it's important, especially when we're talking about fluoride exposure and um, how it comes and what's in it and what's not in it. So we'll go over that. And then um, finally, just a, an article that came across very recently, and I put I put it up on georgebatista.com. It's one in five kids now obese and how big pharma is setting its sights on this to be a $50 billion market for weight loss drugs. So I'm going to touch on that just a little bit. And because I think it's very, very important for uh, parents out there, whether you're parents to be or whether you're already parents with young ones, uh, you know, these are things you should be paying attention to. So that's what we have on tap for this week. So it's a lot of information. Let's get started. Okay, so first from Wellness Resources, fluoride affects brain health in children, fertility, and thyroid function. So let's talk a little bit about fluoride. And a lot of people don't know actually a lot of information about fluoride. Now, fluoride is a trace mineral naturally found in the soils, uh, foods, and water supply. Okay. Uh, in general, it's also uh, beverages, legumes, potatoes, grains, cereal products, root vegetables, all contain certain concentrations of fluorides, more, some more than others. Okay? Uh, beverages made with fluorinated tap water often contain the highest amounts of fluoride. Um, but dietary sources of fluoride include things like black tea, grape juice, sodas, uh, Shrimp, fruit-flavored uh, water, sweeteners, wine, coffee, tap water, raisins, I mean, you name it, just, the list goes on and on. Now, fluoride has been added to the water supply in much of the United States since 1945 for the prevention of dental cavities. Now, th think about this, for example. So fluoride is known to, I mean, it is true, fluoride is known to harden and, and keep teeth hard, you know, harden and stuff like that. And but the issue is, you know, they put it in the tap water. So the idea would be that when you're drinking the water, it's going to pass by your teeth and keep them hard. I mean, say what you will about it. I mean, it's, you know, the cons, you know, think about the concept of it. But at the same time, there's damage that comes along with it. And they're finding it more and more. There's more and more damage as the years have gone by that they realized uh, that fluoride causes now. You know, it is added to many dental care products like toothpaste and mouth rinses and in uh, dental treatments, right? You go to the dentist, a lot of the dentists, unless they're a holistic dentist, they pretty much use fluoride, okay? But it has been banned or restricted uh, in other countries. So the United States is one of the only, one of the only, or one of the few countries that actually still uses it, but other countries have realized that it actually had, that it can be harmful and a lot of countries have banned it. Go figure, right? Now, infants and children retain about 80 to 90% of ingested fluoride, whereas adults retain 50 to 60%. Now, this is where the, the latest studies come in. Because in July 2022, a Canadian study presented concerns and findings about preschool age children who lived in areas with higher fluoride exposure. And the study results showed that children with that had lower iodine intake with high fluoride intake had lower IQ scores. So think about it. They had lower iodine intake. 
they had higher fluoride intake. Therefore, they found that they had actually they their their IQ tests or their IQ scores were a lot lower. Okay. Now, boys who had adequate iodine intake, even with high fluoride exposure, experienced less neurotoxicity. Now, why is that? Because iodine actually is very, very powerful when it comes to fluoride, and we're going to go over that in a second, okay? But in a different, in a different two, 2021 study, children ages 7 to 12 in China underwent several tests of fluoride levels and thyroid measurements. Thyroid enlargement was noted in boys with higher fluoride levels and low iodine status, okay? Now, why is this? Here's a couple of things. First of all, we know that the human body needs iodine, especially iodine is really, really significant when it comes to growth, right? When it comes to uh, a baby's growth, when it comes to a child's growth, iodine is absolutely imperative in the growth, in the um, in the cognitive area, okay, in 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 brain development, in IQ, and all those types. And iodine is absolutely essential for that, okay? So, iodine and fluoride have similar chemical structures. Now, and they can bind to the same receptor sites in the thyroid gland, the gonads, and everywhere else in the body. So fluoride is bigger and heavier than iodine as far as chemical structure goes. So it competes against iodine and actually will occupy receptor sites meant for iodine when you don't have enough iodine in the body. Okay, so when you have this competition between iodine and fluoride, if you if you have less iodine, you have more fluoride. The fluoride is going to win out. It's it's pretty much that simple. Okay. Now, fluoride exposure is associated with higher levels of thyroid stimulating hormone TSH, and we talked about thyroid on the previous shows. Okay, and lower levels of T4 and T3, which are the you know the main thyroid hormones, uh, which reflect can reflect a sluggish thyroid. Okay, and um, now fluoride blocks enzymes that are related with iodine function. And activation can also block uh, iodine uptake in the thyroid gland, okay? Very, very significant. Now, fluoride's endocrine-disrupting effects may, uh, may affect sex hormones and also fertility. Now, it was found that men living in a fluoride-polluted area had lower testosterone levels and significantly higher levels of what's called luteinizing hormone compared to the control group. Now, just so you know what luteinizing hormone is, it's uh, it's a hormone that's actually involved in uh, in basically in uh, in hormone production or and or like for example for a woman it's involved in her production when it comes to menstruation and and that type of thing okay and though but luteinizing, luteinizing hormone is released by the brain to signal the ovaries and or the testes in hormone production. So, and uh, luteinizing hormone surge happens prior to ovulation in women. So men have luteinizing hormone surges that stimulate the testes to make testosterone. So that's, that's one of the signals that actually starts the testosterone making process, okay? So they concluded that fluoride's endocrine disruptive effects on male reproduction may be more severe than the effects on women. So think about that. Okay, men are having actually more of an effect than women do. This can lead to obviously things like low sperm counts and, you know, all these different types of things that men can go through. So that's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Now, 
How does fluoride affect other brain effects and mitochondrial dysfunction? Rats exposed to fluoride during pregnancy or early infancy experience slower spatial learning, difficulty with short and long-term memory, depression, and anxiety tendencies. Males were also more prone to hyperactive behaviors. And fluoride was also found to cross into the hippocampus where it caused neurological irritation and dysfunction. And this part of the brain is involved with memory, learning, and emotions. Okay, so fluoride can actually really, uh, really, um, you know, make a big issue when it comes to memory and spatial learning. Okay. Now the fluoride battle. Okay. So the national toxicology program has published multiple extensive li uh, literature reviews on the effects of fluoride. Th they are moderately confident. And this is the, I'm quoting here. They says moderately confident in the association between fluoride exposure and negative neurodevelopment impacts on IQ, cognitive abilities, and mood and mental development in children. Okay. So very, very, very important stuff. So how does iodine fall into this? So iodine is crucial uh, to, and it's critical to bind into iodine receptor sites before fluoride jumps in. So this is why you need iodine. You need enough iodine and iodine needs to jump in before the fluoride actually gets in there or else we, this is where you start having the problems. So many individuals on low salt diets, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe you use a lot of sea salt, okay, your iodine status may be a lot lower, okay, or iodine status is critical for women and men in, in family planning stages as well, okay, but it can affect all ages, so it's important that you make sure that you keep your iodine levels optimal, okay, so now, how do we keep our iodine levels up? So obviously salt is one. Now you hear this whole campaign uh, uh, against salt. I'm not a person that is anti-salt unless you are specifically salt sensitive, but not everybody is, you know, but using salt responsibly, responsibly can, um, can be a good thing. Okay. But again, they've started taking iodine out of salt, uh, many years ago. And, you know, obviously you have all these alternatives, Himalayan salt and sea salt, which are good. I'm not saying those are, you know, those great, they contain minerals and that type of thing. But again, it does reduce iodine and iodine is critical. So how do you get iodine? One of the best uh, ways to get iodine, uh, you can supplement with it, okay? Um, especially if you're dealing with a thyroid issue or you want to support thyroid function. So I would suggest, again, you could take a look at Wellness Resources Iodine Supplement. And while we're here, I might as well do the, uh, the Nutrient Spotlight for the week, which is the Iosol Iodine, which is Wellness Resources Iodine. It's an excellent water-soluble iodine supplement, and it can be used by children and adults, okay? And one of the reasons why it's so good um, uh, first of all, isol iodine, and it's, and it's actually spelled I-O-S-O-L iodine. It's a proprietary iodine formulated that has been, it's been in use actually since 1945. Okay. And the reason why it's really, really good, it's because it's, uh, it's really, uh, it's, it has a superior water solubility and it makes it very, uh, readily available for your body to use. Now, there are two sources of iodine in, in, in the isol uh, formulation. One is from kelp, and iodine in kelp is naturally in the form of potassium iodide. However, uh, potassium iodide is not 
very soluble in water and may be difficult for your body to use. Now, and sometimes they've actually shown that uh, potassium iodide can actually congest the thyroid gland when taken in high doses. And that's actually how they found Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It was discovered by a Japanese, uh, uh, by a Japanese uh, doctor who with citizens, because they were citizens that were, that were um, consuming too much of the potassium iodide and their, their uh, thyroid gland was getting congested, okay, with too many sea vegetables, basically. That's what was going on. So the iosol iodine that Wellness Resources uses comes in dropper form, and you could basically put it into a drink, whatever your drink is, and just drink it up and you're good to go, okay? Um, so it's used very easily by the body. So again, I would suggest to those of you who want to take a look at a really, really good iodine, ISOL iodine, um, fantastic. Go to myvitaminresource.com, take a look at that. And I think uh, you will find that it works very, very well. And again, you're, you're not having as much of the problems that potassium iodine may cause, um, and not only, you know, in different types of supplements, because a lot of other, most other supplement companies make potassium iodide and stuff, that type of thing, but it has been known to cause problems. So check it out. And again, just uh, other tips as far as if you want to avoid fluoride in general, obviously you get it in your toothpaste. So they do sell toothpaste that do not contain fluoride. Those of you who are really, really into health and the health products, you know, you probably know where to get those, but you can get those at a lot of health food sh uh, stores that also sell different types of products like that, but, um, but check it out. But, you know, obviously filter your water, make sure you get a good water filter that filters out the fluoride again with the toothpaste and try to just do as much as you can to avoid fluoride in general, and then make sure you're getting enough of the iodine, especially, especially, and this is the big thing, especially if you're looking to have children, uh, or if you're pregnant, make sure you're getting enough iodine because you want that iodine is so important to the child's development, uh, neurological development, extremely, extremely important. So make sure you check that out. Okay. Next, reduced kidney function leads to fluoride accumulation in blood. This is from fluoridealert.org. And this was an analysis of the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey between 2013 and 2016. And it found that teenagers who suffer reduced kidney function accumulate more fluoride in their blood. Now, these were the authors from Beth Israel Hospital in Boston and the Harvard School of Public Health. This is from June 7th. Now, I'm quoting here, this is what they see. Our findings suggest that renal function influences the degree to which plasma fluoride levels increase in relation to levels of drinking water fluoridation found widely in the United States. While the observed associations were modest, with a 0.11 micromole per liter difference in fluoride plasma concentrations between the highest and lowest uh, quartile of renal function, the healthy and young nature of the study sample may underestimate the levels of fluoride accumulation among the many millions of Americans with chronic kidney disease. Okay. So think about it. You know, there are 20, there's an estimated 20 million Americans that actually have chronic kidney disease. So they found the fluoridation would be the highest in those with severe kidney disease. So basically their study found that, that again, it was specifically teenagers, but they found that their, their levels of fluoride were the highest where their kidneys, where they had kidney problems. Okay. There's a lot more uh, studies that need to be done when it comes to this, they say in this article, but 
This is something to be aware of. A lot of people have kidney issues and kidney problems. So those of you, again, who are suffering from any kind of kidney issues, do your best to try to avoid fluoride. Do the tips that I talked about in the previous article as much as you can. And this way, uh, and also, you know, if you can chelate as much as possible to try to get rid of some of that fluoride or detox as much as you can. Obviously, if you have kidney issues, you talk to your doctor and uh, work with your doctor when it comes to whatever you can do uh, when it comes to detoxing or anything like that, because obviously it can be hard on the kidneys depending on what you're doing. So obviously you always talk to your doctor first, but just something to think about those of you who uh, are dealing with any kind of kidney issues. Okay, next, let's talk about cranberries. Uh, this is, again, out of Natural News, Christina or Christine Ruggeri. The study highlights benefits of cranberries for brain health. Now, a recent study evaluated cranberries for brain health shows that daily consumption can improve memory in older adults, likely because of its high flavonoid content. Now, this was a 12-week parallel randomized placebo-controlled trial of freeze-dried cranberry powder published in Frontiers in Nutrition, and he evaluated the impact of cranberries on cognitive function and neural functioning in older adults. 60 adults between 50 and 80 years old consumed what's the equivalent of one small cup of cranberries daily for 12 weeks. After the trial period, researchers observed improvements in visual episodic memory, and neural functioning in participants compared to placebo and a significant decrease in LDL cholesterol during the course of intervention. Now, the dosage used in the trial was roughly 100 grams of fresh cranberries or one cup and was calculated to provide 281 milligrams of proanthocyanins with an increase of 20 milligrams flavanols and 59 milligrams of anthocyanins per day. So you have these two flavonoids, okay? And we've talked about them at tons of times on this show. Those of you who have listened to this show, you have the anthocyanins and the proanthocyanins, right? And now the the anthocyanins are a group of powerful antioxidants that fight the effects of aging by reducing oxidative stress or what we call, uh, you know, oxidation, right? Or reactive oxygen species, ROS, Okay. Uh, then we have proanthocyanins, which are found in grapeseed and cranberry, and they've, dem- they've demonstrated neuroprotectant and antioxidant effects in animal studies. Now, this is one of those big reasons why you want to get as many of those dark-colored berries, right, the dark grapes or the uh, dark um, blueberries or the raspberries, the cranberries, all those types of things have very powerful antioxidants in them, right? Now, you know, obviously you can get cranberries, you know, freeze-dried cranberries. There's all different types of cranberries. You have cranberry apple uh, cider vinegar. There's cranberry sauce with pecans. You can uh, put cranberries in your salad. Um, I love cranberries in my salad, by the way. It gives it a nice, nice little flavor to it. I'm not a big cranberry fan just eating them by themselves, but I like them in something. So in a, in a salad is great. There's even cranberry salsa. And obviously those of you who, who uh, eat cranberries for Thanksgiving, a lot of people make cranberry sauce and Thanksgiving. It's great stuff. But again, think about it, boosting your antioxidant level with cranberries. This is just great information, brand new information on, on the studies of cranberries and how it's great for 
your your brain health, and um, and it lowered LDL cholesterol. Think about that. That's just, I mean, who would have thought that it would actually have actu actually lowered LDL cholesterol? If you think about the statins and you think about everything people are doing to try to lower LDL cholesterol and eating cranberry cranberries for twelve weeks, that's what it did for these folks. So you know, go figure. But just a thought for you folks to uh, check out cranberries. Very good for your health. Very good for your brain. All right. And finally, just wanted to talk about this quick article. Um, and this was from The Defender. And it's uh, the article's titled With One in Five Kids Now Obese, Pharma, Big Pharma, sets sights on $50 billion market for weight loss drugs. And this is a new analysis of Nationwide Health Survey. You'd have found that one in five children in the U.S. is obese. One in five. Think about that for a second, okay? So it's 22% of U.S. children between the ages of two and five and 12 and 19 are obese compared to 18% a decade ago, according to a new analysis of Nationwide Health Survey data. That means that one in five kids are now obese. Now, the analysis found that only the children from ages six to 11 were exempt from the weight gain, which is very interesting because that's kind of when they're, that's where they're in the process where they're starting to hit the puberty, right? But um, it's um, Dr. Michelle Perro, by the who's who they've quoted in this article. And by the way, I had Dr. Perro on this show and counterparts. Um, if you want to take, take a look at uh, the interview I did with her, um, go back to the archives because we did a fantastic interview on children's health and, um, and, and parental health. And as far as when parents want to become, want to become, or, or, you know, people want to become parents and have children and what they should do. Fantastic, fantastic uh, interview. So make sure you check that out. But she says that once again, our attention turns to one of the most uh, tenacious and steadily increasing health crisis in children. The new statistics on pediatric obesity come from a survey conducted at Louisiana State University's Pennington Biomedical Research Center. And scientists at the center analyzed data from almost 15,000 U.S. children and teens from 2010 through to, from, to 2020 to reach their conclusions. And the obesity rate in boys rose to 21% from 18, and in girls it rose to 21% from 17 percent a decade ago. Now, what's alarming about this is that these data were all collected prior to the COVID pandemic. And other data published recently show that kids are gaining, obviously, now, you know, this was prior to COVID. So think about that when they, now you have the pandemic going on and all the kids are staying home. They're not running around. They're not exercising. They're staying home and they're on computers all day. Weight gain goes through the roof, right? Well, obviously with the other stuff too, depression goes through the roof. Everything goes through the roof. But this is scary. This is scary stuff. Okay. And then of course, now we have big pharma that's going to jump in on this as always, right? Because there was an analysis at Morgan Stanley research told, told clients that drug makers, Eli Lilly and Nova Nordisk are poised to unlock a global obesity market that could be worth more than 50 billion by the end of the decade. Okay. And who's going to be the target? these obese kids. Okay. It's unbelievable. So, you know, if you really think about it, you know, think about when you were a kid, especially if you're in an older generation, right? I think about when I was a kid, you know, this is, you're talking about growing up in the seventies and eighties. When I came home, 
I, you know, they, this, this was obviously pre-internet. This was pre-really cool games, you know, 13 channels on TV. What did I do? I came home and it was funny because I grew up in the Bronx, New York, and behind my apartment building was a park and the school was beyond that. So all I had to do was walk home literally a block away and I would come home. I would do my homework and I would try to do my homework as quickly as possible. Why? Because I knew that the neighborhood kids were going to be in that park playing ball. And I was a, I'm a huge baseball fan. So what I did was I, I raced through my homework, which is probably why I was an average student, but I raced through my homework and I ran out there, got my glove and went through that fence because there was a hole in the fence and I would go in there and we would play ball all afternoon or all, you know, towards the evening until dinner time, until my mother, you know, called me for dinner. And, um, that's what I did. I, we did that maybe three day, three days a week, probably after school. And we got to, I, and you know, I got to know the neighborhood kids, you know, they were for all from different parts of the neighborhood, but we all got together. We, we played, we argued about who's safe and who was out. We ran like crazy. We were sweaty. Um, but it was great. And then on the weekends, I played ball with my uncles. I wasn't sitting there playing video games. I wasn't sitting. I mean, I did watch TV programs when I was bored, but for the most part, I was outside playing. Kids these days are not doing that. You know, kids these days are, what are they doing? They're on TikTok. They're on, they're playing their video games. They're watching, you know, Netflix all day. They're not outside. And that's the sad part. This is a sad part. Now you couple that in activity, obviously, with, you know, with uh, what the garbage that's in the food, right? The fructose and the, uh, the amount of processed foods kids are eating. Of course, we're going to have an obesity epidemic. It's not rocket science. It's not. So, you know, we have to really look out for our kids, you know, and, and one of the things that I've done, and I have a 15 year old now, and it's funny, my 15 year old, you know, listen, she's into sports now. Dad was into sports. I have a picture of myself actually with her when she was like three years old, holding a wiffle ball bat. And I'm showing her how the, the proper batting stance. Okay. Because why? I felt that she needs to be exposed to sports, exposed to physical activity. I wasn't going to force it on her, but I wanted to expose her to it so she knows there's competition, there's healthy competition. There's, there's, you know, there's this whole thing about being out there and playing and running and, and having fun with your friends and all that type of thing instead of sitting home. Yeah, she sits on, she sits home and does her, you know, she's on social media and that type of thing, but she's got a balance. She loves to be out there because she, she plays two sports. She plays basketball and she plays softball and she loves doing it. She loves doing it. And if I tell her, Jordan, let's go work on your basketball. We'll go out there and we'll shoot some hoops outside in the yard or we'll throw the ball around. And, you know, you get not only her running around and the skill of her playing ball, but you get the father daughter connection right? It's that connection of, you know, me and dad are playing ball and I'm showing her, throwing her the ground ball, throwing her the fly balls. This is what we need to be doing as parents. Okay. This is what we need to do. Not, not having these kids at home eating garbage and sitting there, you know, in their rooms and doing nothing. So my suggestion, and again, this is just food for thought for you parents out there, whether you're parents of young children or whether you're, where you want to become parents, start them off early playing ball, you know, running outside, running around, throwing the ball with them. You know, I know as parents, sometimes we're tired. We've gotten home tired. We're exhausted from a day's work. We don't want to do it. 
But you know what? I would rather do that and have my daughter running around and me throwing a ball with her than having her overweight and sickly and then eventually having her go to the having to go to the hospital or having to go to the doctor's office. And then, of course, the doctor says, well, she needs to be on a diabetes medication and all this nonsense. OK, so again, I'm going to get off my soapbox, but we really need to take care of our kids. So get your kids active, get them involved in sports, get them running around with the neighborhood kids, get them, you know, throw the ball with them, get them running around the backyard, do whatever you need to do to get them active, bring them to the gym with you, you know, exercise at home, have them, you know, run around the apartment if you have to. Okay. Sometimes we have, I, I have a black lab. Sometimes we have a, we have fun just chasing the lab around the house. It gives us exercise, right? I chase them around the yard sometimes for just extra exercise, but you know, again, we were always active when I was a kid and kids need activity. And at the same time, it gives them that, uh, that connection with friends, that connection with the parents, that connection with families. So you get the best of both worlds. So just my two cents on this, because you don't want pharma controlling what, what your kids take in. You don't want big pharma because that's what they're going to be targeting. Those are the, your, your kids are the ones that they're going to be targeting for these pills and all these things. And you don't want your kids living on this stuff till they're old and you know dealing with it because it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. It just gets worse, okay? So stress the importance of nutrition as much as you can. Stress the importance of, of exercise, having fun, playing sports, activity, just a well-rounded lifestyle. And I guarantee you, you will be glad that you did because that's what we did. You know, we're not perfect. By any means, we're not perfect. But we stress the importance. And my daughter loves to exercise. And I didn't force her to, by the way. She just loves it. But she sees the example right? It's your, again, your kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. So they will watch the examples. You have to set that example. So just again, my two cents when I saw this article, just really, really sad that we're one in five kids are, are dealing with this. But I really hope that parents out there can help their kids and themselves take responsibility for their health and, and, and do it together because that's the best way to do it. All right. So Anyway, thank you for joining me this week. I uh, hope you guys have a fantastic week. Hope you take care of yourselves and each other. I'll see you next time. Always take control of your health. Bye-bye.